Welcome to the future of music. My name is Jake Abel, and I started this podcast as a passionate music fan interested in how technological developments like Web3 and AI will disrupt and continue to affect the music industry. Each week, I talk with artists, entrepreneurs, and music professionals about all things music and tech. So whether you're a musician, industry professional, music or tech enthusiast, or just have a curious mind, I'm hoping this podcast can become a resource for you to learn from me and the incredible guests I have on and to prepare yourself for the future of music. This podcast is released in collaboration with Float and Experimental Label Media Company and music platform I've been working with that helps artists create music and release it as digital assets. Check out the links in the show notes to find us on social media, see what we're up to and discover some incredibly talented, independent artists. In the spirit of technological development, I have started using an AI model of my voice to create my intros. Databots is the AI music project of CJ Carr and Zach Zukowski, quoting their own words from their website. Databots is a cross between a band, a hackathon team, and an ephemeral research lab, or musicians seduced by math. We do the science, we engineer the software, we make the music all in one project don't need nobody else except we do because we're standing on the shoulders of giants and because the whole point is to collaborate with more artists and in the future if musicians lose their jobs we're a scapegoat jk please don't burn us to death we'll fight for the right side of history we swear i had an amazing conversation with cj about how databots came to be and how they use technology to create music zach also jumped in for part of it and gave some great perspective on the project and the future of music creation cj came ultra prepared with tons of videos and diagrams and music to share which he showed while sharing his screen so i highly request watching this episode if you can links to do so are in the description these guys are really at the forefront of technology when it comes to music creation and this episode was insanely fun to record. I'm sure you'll learn something new, and hopefully you'll be excited by the potential that AI and machine learning has for music's future. Here is Databots. Oh yeah, yeah, we were in Denver and then we are in Austin. Um, then I went to LA to do NAM. What's NAM? It's like a music industry trade show. Okay. Um, and we had a booth there, and uh, I work for Harmony, I am a job, and we're showing off text to audio synthesis with uh audio diffusion <laughs> yeah that stuff is crazy i was just reading your website uh and there's one quote in there that that was really interesting um where is it you said in the future uh no you said um wait where is this I don't know. You said in the future, someone, oh, eventually people can ask their doll, please generate five hours of zombified animal calls produced by Mike Patton, Jennifer Walsh hybrid. (laughs) (laughs) That was a cool quote. Is that the type of stuff you were just working on? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Towards my dream of making that a reality. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I think as, as we're getting started here, why don't you give like a, a brief intro of, of what Databots is, what you guys are working on, um, and then we'll just dive into a bunch of stuff after that. Totally. Uh, so Databots, we're uh, an AI death metal band. We've been a band for 10 years. It's crazy to think. Uh, we started at Berkeley College of Music as musicians of ex- the extreme genres, like breakcore, mathcore, black metal, death metal hardcore punk noise drone just making really weirder weird outsider music 
uh, inspired by whatever we could find on the internet. And just realizing that instruments kind of had this uh, limitation of like how far you could take music into weirdness. <laughs> and even the DAW has its limitations to how far you can take it. So we realized that algorithms were the only way we could really, really get way out there. Um, and we started with classical machine learning and eventually made it to deep learning uh, and became probably uh, maybe the first artists to release albums on Bandcamp that were entirely 100% synthesized from a neural net. Uh, it's not MIDI, just uh, raw audio synthesis. Um, and yeah, here's, here's some of the origins. So I used to be in, in a math core band in high school um, as a guitarist. Describe, describe math core. I'm not really... Math core? Oh, well, it's, it sounds like this. like the most dissonant thing yeah, you could play on a guitar it's, it's definitely pretty out there combined with the weirdest timings you could think of for rhythm <laughs> just make the most dissonant and adrenaline fueled music possible and i think it's like the perfect theme song to parkour um which i was way into <laughs> uh-huh yeah it's funny that i can see that um so is that what was what was your musical background like leading up to databots and maybe your like coding background too oh yeah um so i think it was like age 12 as when i started programming and i wanted to make computer games and i stopped playing actual video games to make them which i thought was way more interesting and my dad was uh, in the army, and so we had like a, I had a tutor when I was twelve from the army. It was really helpful. Um, I also was playing guitar really early, trying to play Hendrix. Fucking love Hendrix. I think Hendrix is deep, deep embedded in my spirit. Just seeing him at Monterey burn his guitar live, or like completely making take an instrument and make it do things it wasn't supposed to do. Um, and I think that spirit is carried on into really everything that I do <laughs> all the way up to now messing with neural nets and making them do things that they shouldn't have done. <laughs> hmm. um, and uh, Zach is the other member of my band. He was used to be in a touring punk band. Um, and he was also in a touring experimental hip hop band as a drummer. And he's like just this drummer that it doesn't matter how simple the beat is. He's going insane on stage, like giving it 3000%. Uh, and I, I always just like super loved that. So our like combined weirdnesses <laughs> fueled together to make Databots. Um, and we were just like interns at Berkeley College of Music. And then we started going to hackathons and at music hackathons, there's like this combination of musicians and artists and programmers, and you team up and you try to work on a project. Uh, and that's kind of how we first got into algorithmic, algorithmic music. Um, and being able to team up with like PhDs, people studying DSP, audio, machine learning, uh, 
just getting so much, learning so much from those people without even going to grad school ourselves, just from teaming up with them on week on weekends was all we needed to like really dive into neural, neural synthesis. Neural synthesis to find that for me. Cool. So in electronic music, there's a bunch of different kinds of synthesis. There's like additive where you're stacking a bunch of sine waves, subtractive, we start from noise and remove it. Granular synthesis where you have a bunch of smart, short snippets of audio and you're sticking it together to make really cool textures. Uh, like, you know, artists like Tipper uses this a lot. Um, and wavetable synthesis, like all the awesome rhythm dubstep artists uh, like are using serum wavetable synthesis and it, it makes all those beautiful bass sounds. Um, and so neural synthesis is like the new kid on the block. And it's heavy, heavy, heavily powerful. Um, and he here's some diagrams. So, uh, so this is what audio is re represented as. It's like a, it's a it's a wave, as, and it's a sequence of amplitudes. Um, and this is like basically what a dot wav file is. It's just a, a sequence of these uh, dots of amplitude values. And so, if you train a, a neural net um, to predict the sequence you basically have a neural synthesizer uh, and so any neural net that can do sequence prediction including the same neural nets that do like chat gpt uh, you know tra auto regressive transformers you can you know you can also use those on audio um we started with like rnns lstms those work um and all you know all the way up to diffusion models which are i think currently the best our favorite models right now Man, you're um, throw, you're throwing around a lot of terminology here i'm not super familiar with but I'm, <laughs> yeah i'm following you that's a good diagram yeah oh yeah totally and if, if you're anything like me um usually the kind of person maybe pause one of these videos take notes look and you know dig into it later <laughs> mm -hmm. um so a, a neural synthesis model might look like this this one is a midi conditioned so you take in midi from maybe your daw or like a maybe wrote it out as a, as a song composition goes through a bunch of layers Maybe it has some conditioning, like uh, maybe it's been trained on piano and harp and violin and trumpet and stuff. Uh, you're telling it, okay, we synthesize this MIDI as this, um, or as a mixture, make, you know, make an instrument that's never existed before. Make a, mm -hmm. a xylo trumpophone. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that's where the fun part is, is, like doing things that have never existed by making hybrids, yeah. um, either combining or subtracting things that wouldn't have otherwise existed so like a traditional doll already is like taking those midi notes on the bottom and then funneling them through like a specific instrument right and that's what granular synthesis uh i mean it's just like additive subtractive synthesis uh -huh. maybe some ff fm synthesis um to you know to imitate the sound of a piano yeah um but but here it's like it's based on whatever training examples you give it so it learns mm -hmm. it learns to, to um whatever distribution of the data is uh, and so it can learn anything it can learn instruments it can learn voice so if, if you give it say acapellas of kurt cobain uh and then tell it to you know just generate something uh, <laughs> so here there's no mini notes telling it what to generate it's just you know in a vacuum create something mm -hmm. uh and this is actually one of the first examples of anything we generated and it screams jesus Freaky man, right? <laughs> like, imagine your instrument doing this, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> what else can it do? Yeah, what else? What else can it do? Right. Right. This has been just so so fun uh, as an of an obsession for us. Um, th- you know, this was a breakthrough. We've we figured out how to do this five years ago. Um, and just been on, you know on this path this whole time making really crazy music. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys definitely make a bunch of crazy a bunch of crazy stuff. What are, what are all the different outputs of these models? Like, I mean, I know you guys have like a few of the different twenty four seven streams, like twenty four seven metal riffs, twenty four seven like funk. But mm. um, like, you're making songs too. Are you making like? Hmm. mixes or what's everything you you output and how do you what's the process of like getting it to you know a quote-unquote final product oh yeah that's a great question so um i think yeah uh early on we were just making uh albums of of tracks uh so like this one uh let's see, see, see this one is a black metal record and it's been trained on uh, Diotima by Kralis, one of our f- favorite bands, one of our favorite artists. Um, and yeah, we just put it on an album. So this was our, our model, you know, can generate tens of hours of music in the style of this one particular album. And what we did was listen through and curate five tracks from it and, you know, put it, arranged it in a way that was listenable. Um, and... Actually, here is the the needle drop listening to this album. Oh, that that's really weird. It's it makes me smile because I I'm actually kind of amazed by it. It obviously doesn't sound like much and is not that inspiring from a compositional standpoint but the the aesthetic is there yeah so these yeah, big... that's that's interesting um hmm. so after you get the output of like 10 hours of audio what you you have some tools that sort of cut it into like what's usable and then you arrange those into like some semblance of a song structure right um mm-hmm. yeah we, we actually had, had to make a tool Holy to even explore shit. like how do you even explore 10 hours of material <laughs> right so this is called the the dome, the disproportionately oversized music explorer. <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> um, and and it you know allows us to kind of see at a at a bird's eye point of view, sort of navigate the space of the sound and find good sounding parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so what uh, that is a visualization of all the audio waves, and then how how are you able to tell what's usable? Um, just by kind of looking at it. Uh, so for example, like you know right here. This area is so silence. Mm-hmm. Um, if on the left side, these are kind of clusters of different kinds of audio. So, ex- you know, exploring this cluster, I'm going to get a lot of silence. Um, things that look like this that are kind of choppy, I'm getting more rhythmic sections. Uh, stuff like this is going to be more like drones. Um, and yeah, th- through that, we can kind of find the gems that are in there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes a model might spit out 90% of the same kind of thing. And it's not interesting to. F- to feature 90% of that on the album. Um, but then, you know, we'd like hunt and dig for moments, unusual sounds, unusual ways that stuck things together uh, and try to bring them to light and, and arrange them into a listening experience. 
It's cool, man. Um, when you say like you're training these models, what what is that process looking like? Like what is hmm. where what what are the different like data inputs for these models? And then like hmm. what is the training process sort of, you know, how could you explain that to a person like what this AI algorithm is doing to train itself? Totally. Um, so yeah, this one uh, we're using sample RNN and it was originally used for speech synthesis and we just made it three times larger and it was able to handle music synthesis. And for the training data, we're feeding it here, I think 30 Beatles songs. And this is what it sounds like as it trains. So right early on, it sounds just like noise. There's nothing. That's not very fun to listen. That's not very fun to listen to. <laughs> that that's what the neural net sounds like, just on its own, right? With no input, no training at all. Uh, then after like a couple days of training, like yeah, it's like almost music. It's almost music. You can sort of hear instruments. It's kind of like starting trying to rev an engine and your, your engine won't start but then you know after several more days yeah you hear like drums a song pretty much right yeah you hear yeah paul lennon you hear this you could like you hear the timbre of their voice you hear all the, all the instruments that would be in a Beatles song, uh, but, you know, I can't keep time. It doesn't know anything about verse, chorus. Right. It's like the scent of the band. <laughs> is there is there human input into the, the model? Like, are you telling it, like, this sounds better than this and go in this direction? Or, like, how is it sort of deciding what, you know, how to get better? So in, in this case, it's getting better just by trying to match the distribution of the original so it's it's playing this prediction game mm -hmm. uh from this right here so okay. given the past predict what comes next and it gets yeah. better and better at this game it's playing it millions of times uh -huh. um and if if it were to train it long enough it would just memorize all of the music and that's mm -hmm. not interesting at all so right. here we stop it early and it's um it actually sounds more interesting when it's doing it wrong um, and so the, there are ways to, give, you know, give it more user input. And these developments came much, much later than this early ex example. But this one is just, it's just training on its own, trying mm -hmm. to play this prediction game. And then it sort of can compare that into, against like the data, because it actually knows what comes next. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's either, yeah, kind of penalizing if it, if, if it gets wrong and then it goes the opposite direction. And if it gets it right, then it reinforces those connections in the in the net. Mm -hmm. Man, that is some crazy stuff. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So back to my previous question. So you have the albums, and mm -hmm. then what else are you like? What else have you guys been creating and working oh, so, on? So we can't, you know, instead of just the songs or albums, um, because of the way this works, this like generation process it can be infinite uh so we put out infinite pieces of music and the the most 
well-known example of this for us that went viral is called Relentless Doppelganger. And with Relentless Doppelganger, we got super, super lucky um, because everything this neural net makes sounds great. Uh, there's no, I don't need to curate anything. Uh, and I, I feel like this is pure luck because we trained hundreds of models and most of them, most of the time are, are kind of unlistenable. But this one, I was listening to for hours, I could fall asleep to this, I could study this, and I, it was just great. So here's an example of it. Um, and this is live, right? This is live. This, this yeah. has been generating for four years. That, that's crazy. <laughs> How do you keep it on? So I like 24-7. Uh, there's a server running in the cloud. Mm -hmm. um, it's a Linux server. It's run, running it, this. Um, it's streaming it using FFmpeg to YouTube live. Um, and I, I have all these kind of fallbacks in place in case there's an error. There's like a, a backup streamer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every now and then, like some error, like it runs out of memory or, uh, or like Stack Overflow error, and I have to restart it. But now, now it has a fail safe, so it actually, since September, has been running continuously without any interruption. Uh, some, yeah, September 2019. <laughs> so here's crazy. here's what it sounds like. You can definitely you can definitely hear like drums, guitar, a vocalist, a metal vocalist. Mm. Um, that's that's super cool. I know you've built a few of those. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's just a constant. You train the model, and then instead of like mm. having it give you ten hours, you just like have mm. it run continuously. That's that's right. Yeah. Damn, that's um, crazy. <laughs> right. And, and I have this thing where uh, every now and then it just injects random noise into the net um, because what can happen is it can get, like sort of drive itself into a dead end and then not know how to escape. Uh, and so it can end up stuck on one note uh, or just end up in noise or silence. And to avoid that, it just gets like a burst of noise and sort of jumps mm -hmm. out of getting stuck like a like a yeah like a like the needle on a vinyl record just going like like jumping to a new location mm -hmm. or like yeah just like you insert like a new seed and it just goes from there yeah, exactly uh-huh how has how's the process like i mean so you've been you've been creating these types of models for like 10 years now uh these kinds of models for five uh-huh because uh yeah <laughs> sorry go on oh uh, um yeah d deep learning yeah, ten years ago, like, wasn't a thing just yet. So, what um, were you, what were you doing, ten years ago compared to like when you started working on these models? Oh, um, we were making SoundCloud bots. Uh, so these bots would spider SoundCloud for music and remix it, and we would do it like hundreds of times a day. It would comment on the original song, be like, "Yo, I remixed you. Here's the track." Uh, and you know, it's somewhere between uh just like spam and art uh exists these kinds of bots and there were like six of them <laughs> <laughs> um and so this one's called auto chiptune maybe it was i think it was my favorite so it would find songs and just turn them into chiptune
Um, and you know, it's using classic machine learning techniques, um, no neural nets or anything. What is a, what is a classic machine learning technique? Oh, things like uh, clustering or classifying, um, like k-means clustering, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, clustering or, is, is, you know, for the layman, basically like figuring out, I guess in this case, what sounds similar and then like grouping them over one, one place and then doing that a bunch of times and then sort of figuring out what the different clusters mean. Is that mm. a decent description? Yeah, totally. Um, and so, you know, maybe a, a credit card company trying to detect fraud would be like, hey, here's all the examples of, of fraud and mm -hmm. let's check out this transaction. And it's like, oh, it's in the same cluster as all the fraud ones. Maybe it's fraud. Gotcha. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And yeah, th these are things we're making in the, in the hackathon days. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, what, what, what other kinds of projects would you see at like a music hackathon? Oh, cool. Okay, cool idea. Uh, cool thought. Well, one time my friend LJ, like we realized she had synesthesia between taste and sound. And she had n never done anything with it artistically. And we're, we're like, that, yeah, that's so synesthesia for, for people that don't know is like this. I don't want to say disorder. It's almost like a superpower, but it's this right. disorder of sorts where your, your senses somehow become intertwined. So you can like taste sounds or hear colors right. or see music. Right, exactly. And, and so we're like, LJ, you should turn this in an, into a performance that you do. Um, and so she, uh, as her hackathon project did the performance, she got a bunch of different kinds of donuts, <laughs> like munchkins and mm -hmm. handed them out to everyone in the audience. And I was like, okay, three, two, one, everyone eat it. And then she would play the sound of that donut on the piano. It was wonderful. Whoa, oh, wow. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So you wait, which two senses did you say she had? mixed uh taste and, and music so while so the performance she would eat different munchkins <laughs> and then play them right yeah we were all, all eating the same munchkin having all having the same flavor oh, like coconut okay. flavor experience mm -hmm. and then everybody like oh hell yeah that that is coconut or like that is what that chocolate <laughs> donut tasted like <laughs> that's crazy that's wild that mm. reminds me i saw this i saw this video the other day of like um I don't remember what the term was it the term for it was but it was like sand just like sprinkled on like a uh like a plate and then mm -hmm. they would run like sound th vibrations through the plate from like a piano playing different notes or something like that and oh, yeah. just because of the vibrations the sound or the sand would like arrange into these crazy shapes I'm sure right. you're very familiar with that phenomenon Chalodny oh, yeah. patterns here we go yeah. cymatics yeah yeah cymatics sand on a plate um oh yeah this, this is really fun to play with or like how it can affect like water droplets and stuff like and that. water droplets yeah oh, look at these pictures absolutely stunning so that's um, sound like visualized through visualized real vibrations exactly yeah that's crazy um and i remember look, looking at cymatics and i'm like hmm like you know most areas are three-dimensional like is there such thing as three-dimensional cymatics and like totally yeah there is and there's all these cool models of three-dimensional chalodny patterns whoa right how do you then I was how like, do you create that oh uh 
Good question. Let's see this one. Uh, cymatic inside. I guess you have to animate it. So here's an example of. Uh huh. Maybe I don't know if that's a good example. Like, um, is it in water or like, is it in like, what's like the substrate for like? That's a good question. Creating um, I guess, a physical form of a sound. So all the three, all the three dimensional ones that I've seen are synthesized. Uh huh. Um, but I'm sure you could do it in physical space. Uh, but all those led me to like, so what, what would it look like in four dimensional space? So then, oh. so I made a simulator of like what four-dimensional semantics would look like. Um, so if you had sound resonating in a hypercube, a hypercube is a cube with four dimensions, uh, it would, you know, kind of look like these patterns. Uh, although it's hard to just visual, like it's a problem. It's a hard problem just to visualize on a screen what four dimensions look like. So in here, I'm just like doing cro three dimensional cross sections mm -hmm. across the fourth dimension um, to create these animations, which is actually just a, a single standing wave. So it looks like it's moving, but this is a standing wave, and this is just the only way I could think to visualize four dimensions. <laughs> this is also a hackathon project uh-huh okay so just like create like the, the other projects are just like crazy ways to you know merge music and technology something yeah right like for, for no reason other than it's fun and right awesome uh-huh <laughs> yeah i mean that that is definitely pretty cool hmm. um how, so how have like some of those projects and what you're working on now like changed over time like you you know you said when you started there wasn't really deep learning like there is now and you know i'm mm -hmm. sure over the last five years things have changed a lot oh yeah right um well it's it's still like a super young field especially music and, and neural nets it's probably one, like one of the smallest fields of of all the different kinds of media synthesis image text video gets like a lot of people flock to those mm -hmm. even speech not so much music so it's still a young young field um and in, like there's all different kinds of directions you can go in so uh one kind of fun aspect of it is like what can you do with lyrics with voice so but yeah that's a hot topic after that drake and the weekend song just dropped yeah exactly <laughs> um so with the unconditional models we, it doesn't know anything about English at all. It just produces nonsense syllables, mm -hmm. just phonemes that are random. Um, and but what's funny is that you can make up what those words are. Uh, and so here's an example of uh, a skate punk AI. This is trained on no effects. Um, one of our fans made a fake lyrics video. Um, all these all these lyrics are made up, but it kind it kind of sounds like what he's singing. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, that's that's funny. <laughs> so I so I was obviously reading the lyrics when you started playing that video. I'm like, oh, it does sound like that. And then I would close my eyes and be like, oh, that's total gibberish. <laughs> and then I'd open them again. I'm like, oh yeah, there are the words. <laughs> this is this is a super fun thing to do. And there's a, there's a bunch of YouTube videos that are like this, just like gibberish AI lyric videos. Yeah, that's funny. Videos. Um, but there there are also models that where you can lyrics condition it. And so mm -hmm. he, here's maybe um here's a good example of it where uh, so this model was trained in the style of Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. And so we gave it lyrics of a Britney Spears toxic. And this is uh, an impossible cover song because Frank Sinatra passed away before the song was written. Right. So what would it, what it, would it sound like? Uh, here we go. <laughs> You're toxic. good that's good stuff that's funny <laughs> um so is that that's something that you had to like program specifically but you said you're working towards a day where you can just like tell the you know quote-unquote bot like give me toxic by britney spears and frank sinatra style and it'll whip it up totally totally and, and it's, it's really not so far off from that um the, the, the only thing maybe holding sort of holding it back is is um I needed to generate 30 to 40 different versions of this before it actually gave me one that mm -hmm. had consistent lyrics. Um, uh -huh. Definitely a lot of curation has to go, go into this. Um, but yeah, th those, <laughs> those kind of bots can to totally exist. Um, and th yeah. this particular example, uh, guess what? I got, immediately got a copyright claim. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, however, like I don't think a copyright claim like this had existed before right uh and so i was interested in like fi fighting it just because that seemed fun to do um and also because oh, so you did fight it yeah we fought it and so we reached out to the eff and they kind of help protect internet rights like uh like the right to use cryptography and like privacy and net neutrality and the creative commons and they're kind of like the kinds of people that might support this kind of thing mm -hmm. um and then and they were like you know this is fair use and uh helped put us in touch with some uh lawyers that worked pro bono to like see if they could reverse this copyright strike um and and they and they did so <laughs> nice that's awesome <laughs> so, so yeah it's back it is back it's up it is back um so do you know much about the like actual legality of that because people were sort of freaking out about this drake and weekend song that just dropped and how you know what is the legality of of just creating that song and putting it on dsps and like where is the data locally sourced how do you 
you know, there's a lot of issues with it. I'm wondering if you have any insight to that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a sort of a gray area that um, I, I can't say I fully understand the the legality behind how copyright works and it's it's so complicated and it's different like country to country um and even the whole notion of fair use is itself a gray area that, that by case um and i think people have vastly different opinions on where they think the line should be um and so i just this is one big mess um yeah. Yeah, and, the technology is just so advanced that the legal system is not caught up with that type of shit at all. Right. Yeah. Um. There's no there's no clarity around it at all. Um. And but yeah, more and more we're seeing we're seeing more and more groups pop up that have certain opinions about how how it should work. And I don't know. We'll we'll see how, we'll see how it turns out. But in, in the meantime, like I'm gonna you know we're gonna keep making art what we think is art. Um. And so how do kinda, you think it yeah. should work? Hmm. That that's a really good question. I I really don't know how it should work, but there it should be some balance uh between creators in a way that is fair. Yeah, definitely. I was sort of yeah. thinking like one way that it could work is that hmm. artists could somehow publicly state in some sort of legally binding way like you are or are not allowed to use my music in training models to create stuff with like my voice or like you know for a producer like my production style and then like if you do allow it you know i want x royalty on everything that comes out of it right because then you could like you know because then you know britney spears could be like yeah you can use all Mm -hmm. my vocals to train whatever you want and if you monetize any of the music you create i get 20% 20% and people would be like all right cool and then like you know maybe right. some other artists would be like all right I want 80% and people right. would be less inclined to use their work but it's still yeah. a possibility so that I don't know that was one thought I had towards the right. whole thing yeah it, it'd be interesting if that kind of thing starts emerging like like the, like there's a like mechanical royalties for cover songs exists and mm-hmm. you don't need permission from an artist to do a cover song you just send in the royalties oh really okay um yeah so, so it could work yeah. similar to that I guess Right. Um, and, and then on the flip side, there's this idea that uh, style itself isn't copyrightable. Yeah. Um, and so if something is in the style of, but isn't directly ripping off or doesn't sound like it is uh, imitation, but is just like, like all, you know, also in, like a 1950s classic pop style. Um, Remains right, to be, I mean, remains to be that, seen where, like where that line is right and that kind of stuff happens all the time in music because every musician is sort of drawing from and inspired by music that they've heard previously right. i mean that's sort of where you get inspiration from is like what you already know and then how you want to put your own flavor on it and change it and create right. something new and so yeah i mean now with all this technology it just sort of makes those issues i think there's more potential but also more complicated totally right and and what if you wanted to make an uh a model that uh, like specifically doesn't sound like anything that's ever come before. And, and in order to do that, it would need to hear every example of everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and then move in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yo, Zach. Have, have... Oh, let's hey, go. Hey, yo, what's up? What's up? Hey. What's going uh, on? Yeah, we've been I talking s- about you this whole time. Oh, cool. <laughs> Zach, thanks for joining us, man. It's good to meet you. 
Hmm. Oh, yeah, pleasure. I'm uh, at a coffee shop. Might be a little noisy, but um, yeah, happy to be here tuning in. Yeah, cool. No worries. Yeah, happy, happy to have you. Um, yeah, so, you know, we've been sort of getting into a little bit of the background of Databots, what you guys are working on, how the models work. Um, CJ's got a bunch of, you know, cool videos and songs and, and diagrams he's been showing us. Um, I think now, like, I'm trying to think now that you're here, if I have any better questions for the both of you. But one thing I did want to get to is like with some of the, you know, models that you guys are creating and like, you know, the ability to, you know, for example, create that Britney Spears, Frank Sinatra song just mm -hmm. by like asking the model to do it. Like, how do you see that affecting music creation over the coming years? Right. Well, I, I think there, there's like the easy mode um, sort of push button art thing that uh, I think would be extremely entertaining. And, and, and just like, like I know friends that uh, used to spend a lot of their free time playing video games, stopped playing video games and like spent hours on mid journey, mm -hmm. which is <laughs> because it's yeah. so entertaining just yeah. to like put in something and see what comes out. Um, and so we're going to see that for music. Uh, um, but, but then, you know, that can, that's sort of like at maybe level one of the art form. And Zach and I make fun of this uh, idea of like push button art with mm -hmm. our album Can't Play Instruments Volume 1. <laughs> 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 which, which, which it's a dedication to just how much our uh, musicianship has completely atrophied uh, because of AI. Mm -hmm. um, we literally generated this album in our sleep. Here's an <laughs> illustration of it happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> over a nice pizza pizza party that's funny <laughs> um but but then on on the high end of the art you know you are com like combining dozens of models together in a really intricate music production process uh, to to like hone in on the sound that you're trying to get um and uh interestingly like these are both submissions to the AI song contest and our most recent submission, we used tons and tons of different kinds of processes. So um, let me just show you an overview. So uh, like in the beginning, we generated a choir of nuns singing Hail Satan. This is the intro to the song. This is what it sounds like. Um, then later in the song, uh, you know, we, we're pulling music trained on our, uh, our friend's band, Volvodinia. Um, here we have this, you know, uh, qubit neural synthesis where we're parameterizing a, a neural synthesis model using a, a simulated quantum circuit. And this model is trained on vocals. Um, I can I can talk a little bit more about that uh, in, a, in a moment. Um, we're also we had a model trained on guitar profiles that generates guitar tabs, and then we have it make metal riffs and then synthesize them.
Um, here, the, the vocals are, are synthesized uh, using a model called Catch a Waveform, which is based on GANs for, for audio. It's like hierarchically upsampling the audio. Um, not really a model we use anymore, but it was especially useful for small data, uh, like small amounts of audio, like 20 seconds even. Um, and then here in this part of the song, we're generating breakbeats using audio diffusion. Um, and yeah, audio diffusion was really, really good. It's making breakbeats right away. Oh, Jake, you're kind of mute. Yeah, my bad. Um, what is audio diffusion? Oh yeah, so audio diffusion is the audio equivalent of image diffusion that we're seeing with mid-journey and stable diffusion. Um, and so it's a type of neural synthesis architecture where you are noising the input and then learning to denoise it. It's actually like incredibly powerful. Um, what is and what does noising mean in that context? Oh, you're literally at adding noise. So like, uh -huh. um, you're at adding like different amounts of that noise uh, to a training example, and then it's learning to remove that noise. So, mm -hmm. and and the same way that over this Zoom call right now, like the, all the background noise. Is being filtered out by Zoom to, mm -hmm. to so you hear this like crisp voice that I'm now speaking through lusciously, um, <laughs> right? It, it's 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 doing this um, also, uh, but iteratively um, and generatively. So what's interesting about denoising is that if you know if you have a like a, a say a noisy uh, speech or no, noisy music example, it's going to try to remove the noise so it sounds crisp. But what if you start from just pure noise? There's no music in it at all. It's going to start hallucinating the music that isn't there, uh, and so it's denoising is also a hallucination process, um, and so it's and it will end up hallucinating um, full music, and it's actually like extremely good at this. And the reason why this is extremely good because it's sort of like iteratively, uh, like improving itself, which is a lot like the actual music production process. Where you you know you start with some uh, first draft, and then you improve it, and you improve it, and you know you work out the details, change a little bit things here, finer and finer details, and then finally you, you know you mix all the instruments so that everything feels good in in stereo, and then finally you master it so it sounds good on all all the speakers, um, and it's this iterative process of like from coarse to fine, um, and that's exactly what diffusion is also doing. It like really it maps the kind of the, the creative process. And so that's why it's working so well. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. That, I've never heard it put that way. That's cool. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, here's some more examples of what that sounds like. So there's this one Twitter bot called This Band Isn't Real that I love. And every single day it spits out a new metal record. Um with a album cover, artists and album name, all of it's fake. Uh, so we made a bot that responds to it every day um, with the actual music. <laughs> and so um, I was actually really, really impressed that even just from the title alone, it's able to figure out what the style should be. So 
this one, uh, Wizard's Hammer. Wizard's Hammer should be power metal. And this is exactly what comes out. Sounds totally like power metal. So, uh, when, so wait, with that model or bot, you're inputting just like Wizard's Hammer and it's yeah. outputting that music. Correct. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. That, that's that, the artist and album name. Yep. Exactly. And so this one is a dread, dread blade fear the abyss. How does it, how does it, how does it do that? Like I could tell it anything and it would output some sort of music. Correct. Yeah. You give it complete like nonsense, random characters and it's going to come up with something. How did you train that? That sounds crazy. Oh yeah. So it's been trained on combinations of um, like artist album combinations. And oh, okay. Okay. And so it learns to associate those two things. I got you. That's um, interesting. Right. And then, and then I was able to make things in the cracks between that where there is nothing, you know, something that isn't in the style of any particular artist, um, but it, within the universe of all of it. Um, for example, this one, Hooded Mourner, Doom Lives Within Us, <laughs> maybe one of the best examples. So uh, this particular riff that it makes is like this Doom Blast thing that is in like nowhere in the training data. Um, and, and I came up with a genre, like I combined a bunch of genres names together that it wasn't like a genre that also was in the data set. And it accidentally made this like beautiful sounding sound. Reverb tales. That too. definitely sounds like hooded mourner doom lives within us. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you know some sort of demon inside is trying to get out. Right. <laughs> like some reverb. That's funny. I was yeah, thinking really about that too the other day. Like I've been thinking about that a lot. How how new technology will breed new genres of music. Hmm. Like that sort of always happened, right? Like there was. Hmm you know, when electronic music uh, instruments were created, there was new genres of music that came out of that. And then when right. electronic music production was created, there were new genres of music that came out of that. So, you know, there was like rock and roll and then there was like, you know, house and techno and EDM. And then, right. you know, what's next with all this AI technology? Exactly. Mm. Um, like a genre machine, inventing machine is, I think, the holy grail here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to illustrate it, here's this website, Every Noise at Once. Every Noise at Once is so cool. I love this site. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you've never been on this site, listeners, check it out. It's every noise. It's like every subgenre and subgenre and subgenre with like a sample of what that subgenre sounds like on one giant page. Exactly. Um, like what's hands? I don't even know what hands up it. What's it called? Like Sick. It's like yeah, it's funny. It's yeah, like hard every, style. Everynoise.com. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I, I think it's hilarious mm -hmm. to like go all the way to the top. It's funny how it like arranges this. So like the top mm -hmm. right range all the way to the top of the page is Latin tech house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, why is it Latin tech house? And then you go all the way to the bottom and it's like, you know, it's like 1800s 
Hispanic classic, like, you know, oh, yeah. French classical or some shit. Right. Yeah. Cathedral choir. Yeah. Vintage classical singing. <laughs> Czech, Czech classical piano. I think that's the one that, <laughs> I think that's the one that right. freaks me out. Oh, totally. And there's like 5,000, 6,000 genres here. Um, and this is all based on the Spotify data. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like, like, what if this was your interface for making music? Um, and, and you could just instantly pull samples from all these different genres and sort of blend them together on some model that has been trained on all of them individually. Exactly. Have you done stuff like that? Like, like how, how does a, a genre fusion model work? Like, how does it know? I mean, I can understand how a model would like know what like retro funk sounds like or know what heavy metal sounds like, but how does it work when you try to combine them? Great question. Um, so it it sticks each genre into a space, and it's called a, a latent space. Um, and it has it's multidimensional. Maybe you know we use like five twelve dimensions or something. Uh, and each genre has a, has an area uh, in that space. Um, and it's kind of like a universe where there's galaxies, and then there's you know dark matter, empty space between. Um, and but you can uh, decode from any point in that space, so it doesn't have to. There doesn't have to be any actual training data in that space um, uh, to decode from it. Um, and so, for, for example, uh, if here's one genre fusion that actually works pretty well. Uh, fusing funk, deathcore, and gent. Uh, so if, if you like, take the locations and latent space of these three genres and like average them um, or f find some point between them. Um, or if your latent space is spherical, it's like, some, you know, some, somewhere on the uh, surface of that hypersphere uh, and then decode from that. And it's going to make a fusion genre. And so not all fusion genres uh, sound great. Actually, most of it sounds really soupy. <laughs> right. um, and so trying to make a model that will actually fuse genres is so, so, so hard and is like my dream. Um, but some, some things like, like funk and gent, they're both groovy. Uh -huh. they're, they're, I don't, they're I'm both, not familiar with gent. Uh, it's like... Um, metal that go you know goes like dun, 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 okay so it's a subgenre of heavy metal yep uh-huh um pr yeah, pr probably one of the groovy grooviest uh and very like inharmonic like it's more about the percussive element like like okay. playing a guitar percussively yeah uh which is also like how f funk is like you play an sure. ensemble percussively um and so these things fuse together extremely well um, and here's just like example, like jukebox ex example, like metadata that you could use to, to generate stuff that sounds good in this, in this fusion. Do you have an audio example of funk death core gent? Uh, yeah. Let's see if I can pull it up. Hmm. So as you're looking, I want to make sure I'm like uh, understanding and verbalizing this. So like when yeah. you say the model puts genres in like a latent space, it's sort of like. It's yeah. sort of like synesthetic in a way. It's like taking audio and yeah. making it physical on like different data points of like what like frequencies and like what the drums are like and different right. inputs and then does that for both genres. Sorry. And then <laughs> and then it sort of just like finds the space between those like mm. data points of frequencies and audio input to like average, quote unquote, average out the two mm. genres. Is that a good way of describing it? Uh, yes, sort of. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, there's some like st statistics to these two genres and it's combining mm -hmm. its understanding of those statistics together. Um, 
and there's going to be a whole art. There is a whole art to just figuring that out. Because yeah. so, sometimes you, you want to maybe fuse, um, maybe like fuse the rhythm statistics, but maybe you only want to keep the harmony statistics of one, or maybe you want the like high song structure level statistics of one genre, but not the other. Um, maybe you want the, the fine details of another, of something else. Maybe you want like the production style of modern production, but not like, you know, seventies production. Yeah. Um, and, and just f finding the ways that these things can combine to make something new is just, it's a whole other totally new art form. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah. Um, that's what I was about to say. It's like a new art form of creating music, figuring right. out how to blend these different influences. Right. Oh man, that's going to create some crazy stuff. That's really totally. cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, here's an example of like gent funk, uh, It makes these kinds kinds of riffs that are like almost they're they're genty, but it's like something new. Yeah, um, like I haven't heard metal bands do these kind kind of riffs that that it makes. Um, like Meshuggah is kind of close, but it it does it goes even further out than Meshuggah. What's Meshuggah? Is that a band? Oh yeah, they're they're awesome. Uh -huh. Um, they uh, yeah, hugely influential band in in metal for just exploding open several things like like polyrhythms and eight string guitar and even how to like like record and produce eight string guitar metal um and they just have an incredible live show and they've just been in this niche uh like you know hugely popular among music nerds um they've never tried to go mainstream or anything but nevertheless they were like i think nominated for a grammy um just for being awesome yeah so. that's cool yeah, it's cool to be able to take one of your favorite bands and just make them more of a direction that they have never really explored before. And I think that's one of the cool things about multi-artist um, or multi-genre models, uh, whereas some of the others like Catch Waveform, it really is personalized and it's, it's only good at very small amounts of data. One person's voice it can emulate and create patterns. Um, so it's, it's cool to use these different models at different times, um, some more in a studio setting where you might want to have one track and then somewhere you want to like really explore new songwriting concepts or styles. Um, and that's what's really exciting about some of the larger models uh, and, and things that know about genre or any of these other types of uh, conditions that you can uh, play around with. Yeah, that's super. That's super cool. You guys have done some collaborations with other bands and artists like that, right? Yeah, right. You want to talk about some of those, some totally. of the more exciting ones? Um, so we have one of the recent ones. Um, okay, Actually, sorry, you know, before yeah. we get to that, Zach, while, well, you know, now that you're part of the podcast, can I get your, uh, you know, background musically and, 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 what led into starting Databots with CJ here? Yeah, I was going to beard back and you go for a second. Yeah, yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah, I started playing guitar when I was about six. Really loved Jimi Hendrix and 
how you can play with feedback and, you know, take something as simple as a guitar string, turn the amp up way beyond what it was designed to do. And then you get this whole new sound, this new like plasticky material. And I'd always been in touring bands. It's funny, CJ gym. was saying the same thing about Jimi Hendrix and how he would, was like, it? Get, he would you know, he would get music uh, instruments to do things they weren't supposed to and how he was really interested in that. Totally. Yeah, we're both super inspired by a lot of classic rock that had pushed the boundaries of what the guitar to the electric guitar to the highly distorted, overdriven guitar Marshall stack sounds like when you're burning your guitar. Uh, all that stuff is like where we want to push everything, not just the basic generative stuff. And so I, I studied music technology, uh, was really into like electronic music, glitch music. Um, after graduating, CJ and I met at uh, Berkeley and he was a computer scientist. I was really deep into music theory, signal processing, like effects analysis and synthesis. And we just skill swapped. Um, went to a hackathon that was uh, the first time that we ever did something called Databots. He, he might've mentioned it. We were trying to infect SoundCloud with these remix robots that would just yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah, give people- you touched on it. Yeah, what was really cool about it was just that uh, my take was that people who had never had any interaction, no comments, no likes on their music, all of a sudden were getting this bot to like engage and and you know tear their music apart and give them different versions. And and people mostly found it really cool. Um, so that was kind of the seed. And we were like, okay, let's go farther. Uh, CJ got me into machine learning. Said, you know, I'm stopping everything I'm doing. This is around like 2016. He just started studying what was going on with speech synthesis and and yeah, the rest kind of got going from the neural nets. And I decided that I really wanted to have 24-7 live streams. And the first time we were able to do this was our 24-7 our death metal. Um, and I, I think it's something that I just want to show how these algorithms work, as well as why they don't work and you know these things are running our lives like behind the scenes in a lot of ways machine learning algorithms and I, I think it's a cool safe space to see what we like and what we don't like and I just want more musicians artists to you know be in the foreground right here with us and not just the uh scientists who are looking at this we need to make this something that is really culturally relevant to uh people who want to create music so that's what drives me yeah that's that's cool man I mean I think you know, music and technology have sort of always been intertwined in that way. Like I sort of touched on it earlier with like, you know, instruments and then electronic instruments and then electronic production. And it's like, and then how music is listened to also like all of those technologies, you know, CDs, cassettes, vinyl, waveform audio, like it's all, you know, music changes as technology uh, improves. So I think, it, I mean, personally, I think it's super, super interesting that you guys are like very much on the forefront of like what the future of music creation is is going to look like. Um, I would imagine you guys get some pushback though here and there from people who are like, you know, it's not art. We don't want like machines taking away from musicians. Like, how, have you dealt with pushback or feedback like that? And like, how do you how do you deal with it? Hmm. Less than you'd think, actually, we have a lot of support, even from people that we uh, had used this training data without asking them. Um, it's not probably the ideal way. Now people know about it and we can kind of ask them to join us. Um, and I'd rather see the people who are excited about it start using these tools. Kind of go from there, I think. Um, 
you know, it's fair for people to be scared or, or nervous. And uh, I think that's part of it too, but I'd like to see people learn about it um, if they're scared of it. And then maybe it'll be less scary or maybe they'll understand its limits um, and what it can be used for because it's definitely gonna be part of our world and our future. Um, it, the question is how and how we want it to be uh, there. Uh, what we value from it is kind of a dialogue I think we all have to be part of right now. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I have just the general like AI conversation with friends pretty often. And, you know, a lot of people are, uh, you know, I'll ask people if they like mess around with ChatGPT and they'd be like, no, that stuff scares me. I'm like, well, then start using it and it won't scare you as much. <laughs> like learn, educate yep. yourself. And then, you know, you'll figure out how to use these tools to help you or like, you know, for your guys case, you'll figure out how to use these tools to make crazier, more unique, interesting, cool music. And then, you know, you won't be as afraid of like, you know, AI taking over or, or, you know, whatever, whatever comes with that. Um, exactly. And I think like, I think CJ sort of brought up a cool thought about how like, you know, learning how to use these tools and blend all these different genres and like decide which influence you want for like which layer of the song. And like that, like that'll be a new art form of creating music. Like, just like electronic music production became a new art form of creating music, I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with your guys' sentiment around all that stuff. It's cool to hear. Totally, I, I agree. And, and uh, speaking of the fear, uh, and speaking of artist collaborations, our, our, <laughs> our latest project is called uh, Fear of the Infinite Creativity Monster. <laughs> wow, that was an <laughs> amazing segue. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the things we'd like to explore uh, particularly in our crossover to Web3 Music, is uh, monetizing training data for the artists. Um, and this is where nice. Web3 is like, like perfectly set up. Um, so yeah, here with this, with this it's a 50-50 split with the band. Um, and... Damn, you guys made 10 ETH on that. Good shit. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this is in the style of Slam Death. Uh, so I heard play a sample from it. Yeah, I remember when you guys posted that mm. video and I thought it was really cool mm. how the music is sort of matching with this, like, I'm assuming AI-generated monster. Uh, correct, correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it sort of captures, I, I feel, what I mean, what, what I'm feeling, um, just the se sense of awe, and I know lots of people are feeling it, of what we're, what, yeah, the kind of AI technology that we're, it's in the middle of, of creating and like i mean i i have these moments i mean we had it with when we heard kirk cobain's bot scream jesus um just like the the sudden like awareness of the power of these things um and, and now with like auto gpt chat gpt being able to plan and um just like just the, the fidelity of uh of cogn uh, artificial cognition that it has it just you know, you just you kind of like like standing on the edge of of a great chasm and just like wow, 
um having yeah. kind of that similar feeling but like about the cog like the cognitive ability of a machine it's just like um, yeah i mean we're it, it feels like society is about to turn a corner with you know integrating ai technology into everything to a point where it's like you know if you can automate so much of what people do it's like well what are people going to do next the possibilities are like sort of up to the imagination at that point right um yeah i mean it's a it's an exciting and scary time i think i inherently think pretty optimistically about it just like, I mean, I don't know, for a variety of reasons, one of them being like, why wouldn't I, like, what's the point in being negative about it? Like, just try to learn how to use all these tools and do some new cool shit. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, the music aspect of it is super interesting. Like, uh, you know, there's going to be new genres and new sounds and new ways to consume and new right. ways and, to, you know, create. Right. And, and new kinds of people that weren't already creating. Um, because of the lowered uh, mm -hmm. accessibility. Yep. Like, like, what are six-year-olds? What are the, what kind of music are they going to make? What about <laughs> people with like cerebral palsy that like can't use the normal instruments, can't use a normal interface, but like could very easily come up with text prompts and explore the, the universe of genres and f find some sound in in it. Um, yeah, it's an interesting like. Um... That point is cool. Like it's going to definitely increase the accessibility of music creation and there will be more people creating music as the tools get easier to use. Just, I think, you know, just like electronic music production opened that gate up to anyone who had $800 in a laptop anywhere in the world can start making music. Right. Um, but then that's sort of, you know, I've heard people, <clears throat> excuse me, bring up the point of like, you know, then you get into a, uh, you know, potentially controversial area of oversaturation you know there's already so many people making music there's already eighty thousand songs getting uploaded to spotify every day what happens when you know that doubles or triples and everyone's making music like how does that affect the average musician or you know some independent who's like trying to break through all that no literal you know literal noise <laughs> Curious yeah what I, you guys I, th I, th I think it's where um if you like kind of step back and think about it on the scale of human uh, evolution and think about the evolution of spoken language and written language where what i think media synthesis is one of these events uh um and like in the early days there were only a few people that could speak and write and oh, they the early, had, like the literal early days the literal <laughs> literal early days only people could were literate right and they had uh, power held a lot of power over everybody um uh, because of that because they could control the messaging of everything and um now you know zoom forward to today we expect everyone to be literate it's like you know one of the UN's goals that everyone can read and write um and we are all conversing and talking and typing and reading constantly as just our means of communicating with each other um, through language. So, uh, you know, media is not quite that yet. Media is still pedestalized where there's there very few people that can deliver high, like high quality, entertaining, charismatic media. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really expensive to do. And it's, this is not unlike like the early, the early days of, of like the, the scribe, the, like the, the, the high priests 
were like the only ones that were able to, to they, you know, they're the only ones that spoke to God and, you know, everyone had to follow what they, what they said. Um, but now everyone reads and writes. So I think everyone will be cr content creators and it'll just be as normal as communication is as, as talking, like we'll, as easily as we're going back and forth, we could be sending music back and forth. We'd be sending images back and forth, communicating, uh, our, like much higher bandwidth. What's like, um, and that's just amazing. I think that is a really, really cool thought having, you know, everyone be able to use creativity to create art in you know, all of its many forms as commonly as we read and write. I mean, yeah, it's sort of hard to even grasp like what the implications of that would be for broader society. But I mean, it's definitely a cool idea that everyone could be making music. Oh, yeah. What about, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think, you know, you project out too far and it, it gets fuzzy and you can't really think about what, what that's going to be like. But how about like the shorter term, like mm -hmm. the next five or 10 years, how do you guys see, you know, this tech affecting, um, you know, music creation and then, you know, sort of the industry at large? Oh, yeah. I, I think there's going to be some bunch of growing pains over the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, but then I think if, no matter, if, I think, I feel like 15 years, it's like the same endpoint, no matter how it goes. I think the next generation of kids will just quickly adapt to it and that it'll just be the new normal uh, and it won't feel weird. Um, but along the way, it's going to feel really strange. A lot of people are going to resist it. Um, and I also think it's gonna be really exciting for people that are diving into it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Zach, what do you, you got? <clears throat> what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I totally believe what CJ is saying there. I pretty much agree. Um, I mean, I think that it's going to be so ingrained in what we do that that will be quite normal. Um, it'll be on all of our software. It'll just be like another way that we use synthesizers or Photoshop, or it's just going to be ingrained in all of our normal software, but gradually. And yeah, there's a lot to sort out on who owns what in the training. Um, yeah. And actually I got, I got to hop off, uh, but it's been an amazing time here and, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me. Yeah, no worries, Zach. I'm glad you were able to join, man. Appreciate cool. it. See you, Zach. Love you, brother. You. All right. Have a good one. <clears throat> um what about the future of of data bots cj what's on what's on your horizon what are your guys goals with the project uh i think we're driven primarily by mischief satire and comedy <laughs> that's an awesome trio. <laughs> <laughs> um so the fact that that there's the more and more of the world is is resisting this uh and even hating it is going to produce more opportunities for satire. And so I'm actually pretty excited about the near term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was, uh, I was listening to some other recent podcasts you were on and, and the guy was talking about how there definitely is this somewhat satirical uh, like background to data bots and like sort of not trolling, but like there's sort of the same energy of like, you know, shitting in people's faces of, about stuff that they're angry about yeah exactly um and i think it's just me and zach's sense of humor uh from the start and which is also why we're you know we draw from dadaism 
this art form that is also equally satirical um, and as sort of as a protest to the world war that was happening in Europe. Um, and just like the urinal is art. This is art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Just like. Yeah. You know, I feel like I had heard of Dadaism, but mm. you know, hadn't, hadn't heard or thought about it in a while. and didn't make that connection until, you know, you showing it to me for debt for, you know, talking about data bots. That's, is it, is it, at least for the for the music project, a, a double entendre between like data and dataism. Um, uh, no, not not data, just data. Uh huh. Um, and I think yeah, originally we were just like, what if we just make bo bots that like spam bots yeah. on SoundCloud that are just producing like noise music, <laughs> just. <laughs> like the stuff like stuff that's not even good it just does it <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> for no reason uh-huh <laughs> um and, and explore, explore that as the art form and then um and i guess the maybe the 2023 version of that is you know what can we use with auto gpt now um what is auto gpt so so uh it's like chat gpt that can browse the web um uh, okay and like people are, are building around the API of ChatGPT, yeah, to make it do other things, like um, mm -hmm. uh, like make plans, fo yeah. uh, follow through on the plans, like search the web, read the yeah, web. Yeah, that'll be that'll be right. crazy when you can integrate it into all that, all kinds of stuff like that. I was thinking about that the other right. day when I was like trying to use it to help me with some stuff I was doing on Excel, mm. and I was like, I wish I could just prompt it within Excel to do what I wanted to do, as opposed yeah, right. to like trying to explain what my sheet looks like and then having it output something that i have to adjust to like where everything is so right. like yeah once you can in integrate it into like all these different apps and stuff oh man shit's gonna get crazy right just i'm, just, I'm like trying i'm just I'm trying to think because i think a stability just released an open source language model stable lm um today if i'm if i if i heard uh, what I, I just heard i haven't i haven't looked let's look into it mm-hmm um, so this would be like the open source version of chat GPT or GPT-4 or, uh -huh. um, which means it's free. I don't know. I ha haven't used it yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to dig into this. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to check it out. And, and I don't know, maybe we make bots where we ask it to look up uh what are like the least popular trends in music right now <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> use that to prompt the audio diffusion model to make a bunch of music <laughs> <laughs> oh man a lot of yeah the possibilities are endless um right. another thing i wanted to get into mm. real quick is is your role with with harmony or harmon ai is that how I, how you're supposed to say uh, it uh, Harmony or Harmony. Harmony. Or Harm and AI. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, last time I mm. I saw you, you made uh, an interesting comment about how like Harmony's goal is to, um, you know, sort of release these open source generative mm. audio tools that are, you know, hope making making music production more accessible for for everyone, and then right. you know, sort of your your thoughts and and uh themes with data bots are taking humans away from the music making process and <laughs> I, I wanted to hear uh more about 
you know, that sort of dichotomy and then what your role, <laughs> what your role is at Harmony. Oh yeah. 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 We're, uh, we're full of paradoxes. <laughs> um, also, uh, Zach was head of machine learning at one of the top, um, like uh, fingerprinting companies, PEX, um, basically doing the, being the copyright police. Uh, so that's another paradox. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, that's uh, yeah it's funny um but it, it actually completely ma- all makes sense uh w- once you kind of realize it um where we are yeah we just want to see the people be creative the best they can um and so yeah Dotabot's eliminating human from music this is like that neurosynthesis is an art form out of itself um and it it's like you know, going into the Python code and building your own neural nets and make, making it do things that other people haven't done yet. Um, and just making art with that, that's very poignant and makes, you know, makes you feel awe or whatever. Um, there's that. And, and, and then there's also um, like, you know, how, how can these tools just like help out normal music production? So, uh, you know, that's what we're doing with Harmony. And so we currently... Uh, have a uh, one model that's open source called Dance Diffusion, and it's like a really really miniature uh, diffusion model that you can train um, by yourself in a matter of hours. Uh, and we know EDM, sound design, bass artists like Mr. Bill, um, that have been using Dance Diffusion. They'll train it on their own sound library to make brand new sounds and then use that in a track. Uh, oh, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Yep. And so, yeah, we've been teaching workshops on this. Uh, Mr. Bill and, and, and Conti, they're currently, currently doing AI April. Uh, so like an online class for like a, a few different AI techniques. Um, Dance Division was one of them. They also did one on like Refusion and the combobulator and some others. Um, and just, yeah, just kind of g- g- giving the knowledge out to the music producer community to like, you know, here's the new tools, here's the kind of skills that you need to work with it. Um, and, you know, like before, when you're just doing a regular rock band, you know, this is your tech stack, amp, guitar, strings. Um, you know, this is our tech stack as Databots. <laughs> SSH, Python, PyTorch, FFmpeg, AWS, uh, and just like some basic skills. You don't have to be the best programmer in the world to um, download models from GitHub, run mm-hmm. them on a Linux server. I mean, and, and then you- hopefully someday you won't need to know programming at all, right? Like hopefully someday yeah. there's a bunch of no-code tools that let you pull from all these different influ- influences and create music. And like, obviously it'll still be tools that people have to, figure out how to use like you know people have to figure out how to use ableton or logic Mm. or whatever it is but right like eventually hopefully people won't have to be programmers they'll just be music creators using like totally you know this tech stack in the back end but they don't even know they're using it yeah absolutely um and yeah so that's the kind of tools they're trying to build through harmony ai or harmony yeah Um, that's super cool like and i'm I'm actually i'm building the front end interface right now for what, what that might look like um where you can like you know generate 44 second windows let's say and uh like continue it into the future into the past or erase part of it uh and it like fills it in with something else 
and just kind of ha having control uh, over all of that sort of thing and what sort of what like the DIW of the future might look like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the DAW of the future yeah. definitely excites me. Yeah. What are, what are some of the challenges in developing that kind of stuff and uh, developing models for data bots too? Oh, so, I mean, the math it's, I mean, this is all like fresh and new and what was, it was interesting is that like a, a lot, a lot of the diffusion um, research, like some of it happened in academia, some of it happened at big tech, like Google, but some of it just happened in like from outsiders, like Catherine Krausen who's just like independent um, and um, um, you know, like I might reach out to a bunch of these different programmers like a Antoine Callion and just have them ed ed like teach me things um, about how it works. Uh, you know, m much like you might pay a drum teacher to teach you drums, like an hourly rate, I will, do this to some of these programmers and researchers um, just to teach me. Uh, so that's, that's part of it. It's just getting the mathematical understanding. Uh, and, but then it is so rewarding once, once you figure it out, like I, I just figured out how the noise scheduling of a diffusion model with like K diffusion or V diffusion works. Um, I have like such a much better intuition on it. So then I was able to, to like build soft and hard mask in painting um, like the, the kinds of things that you would need in order for DW to do like erase, regenerate, that kind of thing and ha have it be smooth. And, and like, what, what if, what if you had, um, like two different, completely different genres and you wanted to generate a transition between them and have it sound seamless uh -huh. that, that I just figured out the math for like how that would do. So, I mean, the, I think the math is like a huge, big challenge. Um, yeah, yeah I can imagine <laughs> <laughs> so you say you say the math and i'm sort of thinking about like yeah. how to manipulate the code is that sort yeah. of the same yeah yeah how to manipulate the code mm -hmm. yeah i guess so yeah it's a it's a real engineering challenge is the biggest thing you're literally like inventing new technology to create music right um and and i just want to make crazy music that's never existed before so this has my been my motivation to just work through the frustration of all the hard bits mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I think I think that's an awesome mission, you know, pushing the boundaries of genre and creating new sounds. It's like, hmm. uh, you know, maybe not as, uh, you know, I'm uh, sort of thinking about the history of music. Like, I feel like um, creating new genres and sounds like that isn't always super well received or super successful but it's super interesting. And then as hmm. that stuff develops, you can like point back to the histor history of it all. Hmm. Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean that's cool, man. Right. Yeah, a lot of new styles start off in the avant-garde right. and have like a niche. Um, right. And I'm totally, totally cool making music that I just love, even if there's a small niche of people that appreciate it. Um, because what often happens is if it is like if there's something there, then it becomes respect. Like there's a lot of like these underground genres that become respected by music musicians um in the underground and then you know over time over time like everything kind of makes its way into mainstream anyway um but that's not my primary concern for music it's never been right. to try to make mainstream music no. <laughs> I, actually i just made my first house remix last week 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe that's the most mainstream I've ever gone. Right. And house <laughs> can like almost hardly be considered mainstream. <laughs> right. It's funny. Um, all right, man. Well, hmm. this has been really fun. I'm wondering, if, is there is there anything else you want to touch on before we sort of wrap up here? I kind of got to get going myself, honestly. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, if you're listening in still, yo, <laughs> uh, come check out Dotabots. Uh, join our Discord. Add me on Twitter. Uh, follow the – subscribe to our YouTube. Um and if you have questions about stuff, yeah, ask me. I think your FAQ page is also um, incredibly insightful. I was reading it before this conversation. It's definitely a lot of cool information on there. Oh, hell yeah. I think, yeah, we wrote this like a long time ago. We should make a, an updated version. There's so many, the world is updated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> hmm. Um. Any, any, uh, we didn't even get to the web three stuff. Anything web three you want to touch on briefly? Oh yeah, totally. Uh, so another monetize the training data project we did. Actually, this is our biggest one. It was called fake feelings. And we made a thousand emo songs. This is AI emo. <laughs> um, actually another one of these models where almost everything it was making sounded great. Um, and this, this is a really cool project. And here on our blog, we explain the process of making this. It took three months to make a thousand songs. You know, I had to generate. It seems pretty efficient. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, for a band, yes. For a band, right? Like that's <laughs> insane. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think, like this kind of um release of like uh. Like doing a, like a generative art release uh, um, on Web three, where you do like a a thousand of it, or five hundred of it, or a hundred of it, uh, lends itself really interestingly to this kind of art form, because um, you're you're pushed at your limits again, right? You can't just sleep, generate a song, wake up, and like, okay, cool, we're done. It's like, no, you need to make a process that sounds good a thousand times, <laughs> and that's fucking hard. Yeah. Um, other thing where, where where does the monetizing of the training data come into that project oh so uh, this is also a 50 50 split um mm-hmm. so this was dropped through uh, brain drops yeah um, 50 50 split with uh, silverstein with silverstein yep. yeah so they just yeah and their you know role in the project was nothing more than giving you the training data um, I mean, uh, we talked a lot and we kind of worked out what it would be, but mm-hmm. mostly they gave us free reign to as an experiment. You know, they're like, ah, they didn't understand either AI or Web3 very well, just getting their feet dipped into it. Yeah. And so they were w- like willing to do the kind of hands off. Um, and they really enjoyed the, the outputs. And yeah, that's cool. Um, I mean, it looks like the project was pretty successful based on that ETH volume. Right. Yeah. And and I think the the best part of of doing this whole thing is working with the artists. You know. Yeah. N- not through the label, not through their marketing team, but like you know, I, d- deep in the DMs with their drummer late at night, thinking about music, mm-hmm. um, and just this kind of thing coming out of it. I think it's just so so fulfilling. Yeah, man. It, uh, it certainly sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. 
Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll leave you with just maybe a hint of our next release. It's called Burn All My ETH. <laughs> <laughs> Mischievous um, and, and uh, comedic for sure. <laughs> and um, satirical. Yep. So it'll actually you know, prompt you to burn all your ETH. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to watch out for that one. Watch out. Watch out. Um, so yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's us. Databots. Yeah, man. Databots. I fucking love it, dude. I think it's so interesting. Um, and yeah, really, really appreciate your time, man. I, you know, we went, I knew we would go over and I'm, and I'm glad we did. That was a, that was a fun conversation. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, this was great. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Um, yeah, for- man bringing us all together and geeking out about music (laughs) yeah right back at you man all right wait 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 don't go yet thanks so much for listening make sure to check the links in the show notes to find and support databots on their music if you enjoyed this episode i'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and followed me on social media at the links in the show notes as well also please don't hesitate to reach out with feedback or comments or questions i love hearing input from listeners that can help me improve the podcast and be sure to tune in next week for a conversation with ahmed nim ali co-founder of kid labs a blockchain integrated ticketing platform 